the Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Vashti Barron. Vashti is a student in our full-time MBA class of 2023, and she is also the leader of the Humans of Darden Student Organization. Vashti and I recently connected to talk more about her background, how she decided to pursue an MBA, what led her to Darden, how her first year's gone, her plans for the summer, and of course, what she's looking forward to with Humans of Darden in the coming academic year. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We cover a lot of ground. So without further ado, here's my interview with Vashti Barron. Vashti, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. Well, it's great to talk with you. Uh, I am in Charlottesville. This is this is rare for me. I'm normally based up in the D.C. metro area, working out of Sands Family Grounds, the Darden Grounds there in the Washington, D.C. area. And it's wonderful to be here. I'm, I'm here because our executive MBA students are, are participating uh, in their second leadership residency, our class of 2022. So it's fun to be here with them. And man, what an unbelievable run of days and just beautiful weather here uh, the past few days. It's great. Beautiful weather and um, yeah, there's there's been so much energy. It's been so cool to see to see the exec MBAs running around. Um, I think they're doing the strat sim, which is something that we had to do um, also uh, during the course. So um, yeah, it's been great to have them here, there, have them here. How are you doing generally? Um, are you are you enjoying uh, this this weather and getting out? Maybe uh, in Charlottesville, exploring a little bit. Yeah, thank you for starting with that question. I appreciate it. I, I'm doing I'm doing well, I would say generally. I think um, this is one thing I've observed on campus right now is that it's a super reflective time, I think, um, for people um, as we are, you know, two days away from the end of the first year um, for the class of 2023. I think, um, yeah, I've just overheard and, and been a part of a lot of conversations where people are looking backwards and thinking about, um, what this year has meant to them and if they've accomplished what they came here to accomplish. And, that, you know, that I don't just mean that in terms of academic or professionally. Um, so with the beautiful weather, um, I have been on a lot of walks recently. I love walking. Um, and I've, I've also seen a lot of people on walks where I can tell they're just in deep thought um, and, and reflection. Um, and, and also, um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, and so... I'm trying to um, balance that and show up as um, a leader in the larger community, which is really important to me, while also um, maintaining my responsibilities at Darden. And I don't think those are two separate things. I think there are ways to put those two things together. Yeah, I appreciate all of those notes. You're right. We're recording this here in early May, and uh, it feels like every day there's another major news event coming out. Um, and I, I am not surprised to hear uh, you and your classmates are, are taking stock of things, looking back on what I'm sure feels like a very full and busy year. Absolutely. Um, you know, the thing I always say to people here is that um, the, the days are long. Sometimes when I look at my calendar and I look at the day, I'm like, how, how will I get through this day? How will I do all of these things? But uh, the weeks are short. Um, before I know it, it's Thursday again, uh, and things just roll through like that. And so it has absolutely been a whirlwind. I, I had a busy life before this. I, I think all of us did to some extent, but it definitely felt and was different. Here. It was packed with a lot of good stuff, um, but also hard stuff. And so there are a lot of lessons learned to reflect on right now. 
Well, thank you so much for taking time for the podcast. We're going to talk uh, about many, many things, including Humans of Darden student organization. So uh, for our listeners, stay tuned. Uh, more to come on that front. It's a topic we touched upon here on the podcast before, but um, Vashti, you reminded me, it's probably been um, more than a year or so since we last talked about Humans of Dart. been too long. So, so, so excited to have you on the podcast to talk a bit more about the organization and the work that it does. But before we get there, I want to talk about you and, and, your, and your background. So tell us a little bit more about, about you. Who are you? Where are you from? All, all those great personal details. Yeah. So I am originally from a, a small country called Guyana in South America. Um, my family and I moved to the United States when I was three years old, and we moved to Queens, New York, which is where I lived for the last uh, 25 years. So actually coming, coming to Charlottesville for school is the first time that I've lived outside of New York City. Um, so that has been a really interesting and good learning opportunity for me. Um, I'm a public school kid through and through. I went to New York City public schools my entire life. And I also went to a public college in New York. So I went to Hunter College, which is under the City University of New York uh, umbrella. And I'm also a first-generation college student. And that's also a really important part of my identity and something I think we'll also touch on later here. After graduating from Hunter College, I worked at Donors Choose for seven years. Donors Choose is a, the leading nonprofit crowdfunding website for public school teachers um, nationwide. And so teachers post projects on the site for things that they need for their classroom. And this ranges from everything from, you know, loose leaf paper to pencils to 3D printers and trips to the aquarium. And anyone can give as little as a dollar to a project that inspires them. And then we have corporations and foundation partners that also give large grants to the organization to run campaigns that help them meet their goals. Um, once a project is funded, the team actually orders and ships the resources to the teacher, which allows us to have great transparency to our donors. And I think it's a big part of why the organization has been so successful. I had an incredible run there. I had the privilege of working on two teams over my seven years there. So I worked um, for, for three and a half years on the operation side, the logistical side of getting all those deliveries to classrooms nationwide. And then um, my last three and a half years, I worked on our partnerships team where I fundraised and managed campaigns from different corporations and foundations, um, folks like Google and Samsung. Um, when I left, I was managing about 25 partners that gave around $7 million to the organization annually. And uh, the uh, chief marketing and revenue officer at Donor Shoes is actually a Darden alum. Um, so she was definitely part of my journey and the reason that I chose to come to school here. And the last thing I'll say here when you ask this question of who I am, uh, you know, I mentioned being a first generation college student. I mentioned being an immigrant. A big part of my story is, is a story about community and about people. Um, so in addition to those things, I've also been and continue to be a caretaker um, in my family. I'm also the oldest daughter in my family. And so, you know, my responsibilities have always been large. And, and the reason that I bring that up is because the reason that I've been successful, a big, a big part of it is because of the people that have showed up for me day in and day out um, in multiple different ways. And that's a big part of the reason why I feel so strongly about community building um, at Darden and why Humans of Darden is, is so important to me and is where um, I mostly want to spend my time next year when I think about how I want to move back to this community. 
Well, thank you for for that, Vashti. Uh, so much to talk about uh, there. I want to we go back a little bit to you know what led you to get involved with donors choose. I, I will admit our, our listeners know that, that my mom, uh, I've shared this in other podcasts, uh, taught public school in Charlotte, North Carolina for 40 years. And so I grew up around teachers. I, I yeah. know know about that that life. And uh, it's very much a vocation. It's incredible, um, the, the work that they do and, and the passion that they bring to that work. What, what led you to get involved uh, with that organization? Yeah. You know, like, like you just alluded to, Brett, teachers are are heroes. Teachers are, they do so much more uh, than teach. They mentor, they coach, they provide safe spaces. And I grew up in the New York City public school system. And, you know, as a first gen student and as an immigrant, there were so many things that I just didn't know. And the way that I learned about them is because of people uh, who believed in me and, and where I found those people or it was at my school. And so, you know, the first person outside of my family that really helped me understand that, oh yeah, like I have some like innate leadership skills in me, or I like helping people, um, was um, a teacher that I met on the first day of high school, Mr. Burley. He is since retired, but he's been, you know, he was a really influential person in my life. And um, while I had those positive experiences, I've also been in classrooms myself as a student where we just don't like we needed to learn technology, like about technology, but there were no computers. Um, and so it was like a lot of it was my lived, lived experience. And I just, you know, education was such a and, and continues to be such a big part of my life. And so um, that, you know, the core mission of donors choose um, before I even knew what donor shoes was, was just a theme that I saw in my life. I, you know, have always been driven to mission-driven work. Um, but something I think it, that is important to address is that, you know, as a first-gen student, that's actually really tough sometimes because I actually didn't know what a nonprofit like was or like how a nonprofit like operated. Like I was like, well, I like need to have a paycheck. I like need to make money, right? I just like couldn't like connect those dots. Um, and it was actually, and this like actually links back with the first generation college student part of my identity. Um, when I was in college, I was part of an organization called America Needs You that provides mentorship and career guidance to first generation college students. And it's a very intensive program. You know, I was spending my Saturdays twice a month and full day workshops learning some of these skills because one of the really important things for first-generation college students is that a college degree is, is just not enough. Like you, you do all this work to get into school and then it's just not enough. And one of the mentors um, in, in my cohort, I worked at Donor Shoes and I wasn't paired with her. She wasn't my like um, official mentor, but I have the privilege of meeting all the folks in that group. And she's the one that taught me about the organization for the first time. And then one thing led to another and when I saw it, like in my gut, like I just knew um, because of my personal experience. Um, and it's, it's honestly like the, the back, like I, if I could, if I could go back, like I would do it the exact same way. I learned so much there um, and, and really did build business skills. Cause even though it's a nonprofit, it really does operate like a business um, and also got to make an impact in the world um, in, in public schools, which are super important to me. Yeah, there's so so much about what you just shared that that I, I think about hosting this podcast, talking with people 
about their MBA journey, you know, you can sometimes, you know, when you're in this business school world, lose sight on the fact that so much of what we talk about, it may not be comprehensible to someone that has not had the same set of experiences as another person, right? We talk about industries and jobs and, and what people want to do or what they want to study. Like so much of this is kind of code uh, for, you know, like what is, what is consulting? What does it mean to work in tech, financial services? What is investment banking? Uh, when you start scraping at this, you realize there's so much to unpack and you can go back to someone's even college career, even before that high school, uh, that there, there are things that can feel really intimidating to people um, as they approach these decisions because I don't know what everybody else seems to know. And, and that causes a lot of stress for people. A hundred percent. I mean, I still feel that here uh, every, every single day. I, I definitely have learned a ton and, and have progressed, but um, you know, what the the code that you just said? I think that 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 shows up in in, in almost everything that I do here or everything that I touch here. And I think um, you know having conversations like this. And um, again, you know, I, I always go back to the community building. I think I think you know listening and storytelling is just so so important. And I want to be a person that that does all of those things and that leads to example by that because somebody listening to this podcast might be able to relate to these things. I mean, you know, and I know we'll talk about like specifically why I came here, but I I'd never like I didn't know what PNL meant, right? I had never looked at an income statement. Um, I don't I don't know how investments work. I'm still trying to learn that because I just, this, this world is a different world. And I think that it's really important to talk about that. And it doesn't mean they can't make it into it. I'm here. I'm here. And I'm like showing up every day here, but I appreciate what you said, Brett, because it definitely is a code and we need to talk about that more. Yeah, I think that's a, a really important point. And, and I think one of the potential benefits of the podcast is that you get to talk about this and people get to hear folks' stories and I think that's uh, that's important. And, and, you know, just generally, you know, here at the school and even as people are navigating the prospective student environment, creating spaces where it's safe to ask questions and, you know, you feel comfortable speaking up and saying, hey, can somebody explain this to me? Because I, I really don't know what we're talking about here. And this is not yeah. clear. It, it's something that we find that we have to constantly uh, remind ourselves about as admissions folks, because you can get in this world and just assume that maybe everybody knows this stuff. And it's important to remember, no. Everybody doesn't know this. No, I, I, yeah, and it's it's really tough because you're in this environment with these super accomplished and and just brilliant people, and you know everybody's having some of these thoughts like in their head more or less in different ways. Um, but when we don't talk about it out loud and when we don't say it, what ends up happening is you're just standing in the room and you're like, well, you know, everyone here like knows what this means. And, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't be here or like, I don't, or like it was a mistake. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I had that thought and it's just not true. Um, and so I think, you know, another thing that I think about a lot is vulnerability and how, when we lean into that, um, as leaders, uh, we give people permission almost to do it, to do it also. And so that's something, and, and it's painful. I mean, I have had some moments here where I have let, let, when I have leaned into that. Um, and then I had to go home and cry for a couple hours, <laughs> but um, it was worth it because I have had moments follow, following up those where people have come to me and said, I appreciated that you did that. And because you did that, like I was able to do those things. So I think like, it's just, it, it's, 
yeah, the, the, the coding and the different worlds and the insecurities that come. And sometimes you forget that you too are a smart person and you deserve to be in this room. Like it wasn't a mistake. It was not a mistake that you got into this room. Um, and you came here to learn. I remind myself that, like, I try to remind myself of that a lot too. Like there is a lot that I don't know, but it doesn't mean that I'm not smart. I think sometimes we equate like what we don't know to like our intelligence or like being smart. And it really just isn't about that. People had access to different sets of information and had different lives. And that's what impacts like what they know and what they don't know. If you show up and you want to learn, like you can absolutely learn it. I want to talk a little bit more about how you got interested in pursuing an MBA because you you mentioned earlier, it's this realization uh, that a college degree was not going to be enough. And how did you land on an MBA as the next step for you? Yes. So I think, like I mentioned, the day I got into college, I was like, this is awesome. Like I stepped on campus and I realized like, I just don't know what a career means or is. I, I don't know what a resume is. I don't know what you wear to an interview. And I really leaned in hard and depended on mentorship and community, like I said at the top. And that's how I learned all of those things. Like I also mentioned, I went to Hunter College, which is a liberal arts school. And that was awesome. Like I really had a, a really fantastic education there. And, and I would do it, I would do it the same way um, if I had to do it again. But as I, as I transitioned into the workforce um, at Donor's Shoes, and like I mentioned, Donor's Shoes is a nonprofit, but it really operated like a business. And I had access to leaders like our CMO and, and other folks. I started realizing that there were, just, there were a lot of gaps in my knowledge about like, business and what business meant. Um, or again, things like what is a financial statement really? So that, that was happening in the background. I also like... I, I really like school. Like I've always been interested in school. Like I've, I've always been a good student. Um, you know, I, I spent my summers reading a lot. Like those were the things that I did. So in the back of my head, I was like, you know, a master's is like a thing that like maybe one day, like I will, I will, I will try to pursue. Um, but it was really through like, you know, seeing other women, specifically like women of color, but women in general, like that had MBAs. And, and hearing about their stories and, and how they got to where they got, that inspired me to say, yeah, I think I could do this too. And programs that make it possible for people like me to, to um, have access to some of these opportunities, like the consortium. I am a part of that group, and that's been really helpful to me. The, the, so that was happening. I'm like, okay, there are some gaps like in my business knowledge. I think this is the space that I want to operate in. So I want to fill those gaps. And then a little bit further along the line on my reflection as a professional as I was working I realized that helping people grow and learn um, and develop is is what I feel the most passionate about and I think where a lot of my innate strengths lay and where I could make the most impact in the world and so I realized that I wanted to transition into people-focused work um, and my long-term goal one day is to be a chief people officer at, at a company or an organization that um, is doing good work in the world in some way. And, you know, if, if, I, if that is going to happen and if I'm going to be in the room and, 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 and be that person that I want to be one day, um, I realized that I, I wanted to have a, a business education behind me to, to both back me up because, I mean, the truth is that 
if you have an MBA, there are opportunities open to you that may not may not have been open otherwise. So that was one part of it, which I think we don't talk about enough, but it's true. And the other part is like I genuinely wanted to learn, you know, core business skills. Um, and so those all of those things kind of coming together is what is what led me to pursue the MBA. I appreciate your point around learning. I, I think sometimes when we talk about MBAs and we talk about business school it starts to get really heavy on the career side of things. And it, you know, it's fair to note that this is a professional school. This is in service of your career, but you do spend a lot of time going to class and this is about learning and it is about exploring and, and maybe pushing uh, in some directions, things that you have not had the opportunity to learn about, whether that's in the core curriculum or electives, you know, I feel like Darden is a place that kind of rewards curiosity, people that have a lot of passion for learning. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I also think that, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to, to sit, you know, in this school and I'm working super hard, but it's a privilege to be able to take a step back and to have the opportunity to say like, what do I want to learn about? And, you know, one, one of the things at Darden that really has stood out to me is, the, the faculty members and the opportunities that you get to learn from them and, and work with them on things like independent studies where you can draft project, create projects with them and things like that. So um, it's super important to me. I think, you know, it's a, it's a privilege. And, and because I feel like it is a privilege, I, I really want to take advantage of it every day that, I, that I'm here. Yeah, that's a, that's a great frame. That's a, it's a great perspective to have as you, as you go through this, and particularly when things can get stressful and you can feel like you're you're running, you know, in every direction, trying mm -hmm. to keep up, just remembering that like to be here is an incredible privilege to have mm -hmm. this opportunity to sit and learn and be, or be part of this community. Um, I'm struck by the fact that you had mentioned that you worked closely with someone who was an alum of, of the school. And is that yeah. what put Darden on your radar? How did you get interested in Darden? Kind of. So yes, I think so. Like I mentioned, um, the the leader of the last team that I worked on at Donors Choose um, is a Darden alum. And uh, I think probably she is the first person that put Darden on my radar. I actually can't remember because as I'm sure many folks listening to this podcast know, like a lot of times the MBA journey is years and years long. Um, so but I, I think so, because again, for me, you know, being first gen, I just, I just didn't even know like what any of these things meant. So it was like through people that had experiences that I learned. So I think so. I think Jordan, I also, um, there was another leader at my organization that had went to um, a different business school through, through the consortium. So she introduced that organization to me. And so as I started doing research um, on the consortium, I saw Jordan on that list also. And then you know, a couple other things I mentioned that this was the first, this is the first time I'm living outside of New York. My, my mom and my siblings are in New York and it was, and I want, I did want to step outside of New York for this experience because um, I never really, I never, I didn't have a traditional undergrad college experience. Hunter College is in the middle of New York City. I commuted every day. Like I, I lived at home and that was the right thing to do. And I would do it again if I, if I had the chance, if I, if I needed to, um, but I wanted to to have more of like a, an experience and and be immersed in in the business school experience. There were you know there are lots of great schools in New York, but um, I wanted to step outside of that. But I didn't want to go too far away. The West Coast felt like it would be too far of a jump for me, so I didn't want to go too far away. Um, so Darden, you know, kind of stood out to me uh, for those reasons. 
the, you know, the other things were I spent a lot of time like looking up the programming and the resources that the school has in terms of community building, because that's just always been something that's important to me. So things like, you know, Humans of Darden is something that I saw on the website years ago. Um, things like the the prison prep program uh, that folks do where they, they get to step into prisons in the area and, and teach the folks there. Those programs really stood out to me. Um, and I knew that I wanted to incorporate those like as part of my learning experience. That's another reason why Darden stood out to me. And I was at the time, like during my research, super intrigued by the case method, um, method of teaching. I think, you know, I, being here now for, for almost for, for my first year, I think I didn't really truly understand what the case method was until I got here. Um, but I was intrigued by this idea because um, when you're out of school for a while, so I was working for seven years, you know, I think people work, you know, people generally work for around five years before coming here. You kind of forget like what school is like, I think. And so when sometimes when someone says, oh, case method, like it sounds really cool and you get like excited about that because you're like, you kind of forget like what the actual learning process is. So, I mean, that was one thing that attracted me. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't think I understood what it meant. Actually, it's actually, it's actually been much more difficult than I thought. Um, but it did attract me to Darden. Um, and I also saw that there was like strong support for women here, which was also something that was really important for me. Yeah, I appreciate your your emphasis on, on the community. And, and case method is one of those things that can be hard to explain in some ways. In many ways, I, we sometimes think that, yes, we can explain it, but until you actually experience it and kind of get that taste of like you, you read a case, you go to a class, you see what the discussion is like. Most people have not learned in this way before. It's mm -hmm. Socratic, but it's also maybe even a little bit different than that kind of Socratic rhetorical questioning style that people may know, because you also have this overlay of like technical information oftentimes mm -hmm. in classes like accounting or finance, where there may be you know, more technical concepts that are stressed as part of the case and the decision at the heart of the case. So uh, sometimes you do have to experience it to have, have a true appreciation for what it is. Yeah. And, you know, just I think something that's important for me to stay here, say here is so I'm considered a non-traditional student because, like I've mentioned, I've, I worked in the nonprofit space, um, you know, doing work that I think does fall into that bucket. And um, for non-traditional students, and I know like thinking about advice here, like I would I would really like emphasize that point and I would really encourage folks to try to get more clarity about how you learn and and what what the case method means. Like really, really explore that. Um, because to be completely transparent, like it didn't work for me for for like finance and accounting. Like it was it was really, really difficult and I studied a lot and you know, in the end, did I walk away with some learnings? Absolutely. But I think like, I think that the, I just want to emphasize that the case method is like beautiful in so many ways. And it's also tough in a lot of ways if you're a non-traditional student. And so my advice is to really think about that and force yourself to be like, wait, but how do I actually learn? Like what, how, like, and especially if I'm learning technical things, how do I actually learn and not just get um, caught up in something that sounds cool? Like really spend your time doing research there on like how you you think you learn and challenge yourself on that. It's a good point, that kind of self-awareness, engaging with, you know, that question about how you learn. I don't know how many people are really thinking about that as they're approaching their business school decision. I think they just kind of think, well, I, I know school and I know what that looks like and yes. more, more of that. Um, but thinking about, you know, what sounds 
engaging to you, what's going to maybe push you a little bit. I think it's probably fair to say that the case method does get a number of students outside of their comfort zone, but also recognizing that as part of that, you know, there's a lot of work that's happening in the background individually with your learning team to get ready for those cases, to debrief and reflect after the cases. And yes. for people who may not necessarily have as much background with some of these subject matters, many of our students have not taken account, not taken finance, have not yes. taken uh, these kinds of courses before. So there's also a learning curve in that direction. So new to the case method and new to the subject matter. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, I think, I think generally in the larger business school community, the conversations about how you learn are, are like not happening because like you mentioned at the top, people are a lot of times not thinking about that. They're thinking about the, you know, prof professional and career side. But I think if you are interested in Darden um, and if, if, you know, Darden is a school that you were serious about, you really should think about that because it is, you know, it is, it is focused on that and it is heavy on that. And I think, um, yeah, just just be be aware and, and also like think about like your own strengths and weaknesses, right? Like you said, like if you that's also a big part of it. So like there is the case method and then it's like, who am I and what is my background and what do I learn? And I think you, you need to have an honest conversation with yourself about that. And sometimes it's it's hard to do because you want to say, no, like I can do this thing. And, and I'm not saying that you can't, but I think just just be just be have an honest conversation about it. And you mentioned the learning team. So something that I want to say there is. You know, there's all this stuff that goes on in the classroom. There's all this stuff that goes on outside of the classroom. And then there's the learning team, which is this like very important space. And when we talk about learning and growing, I think a thing that we don't talk about a lot here is with that group specifically, but I think also in general about uh, vulnerability and um, how important that is to your learning. So my learning team was stacked with just these incredibly brilliant and kind people that had completely different backgrounds from me. And I know that I was put in that learning team for a reason. Like I know Darden, the algorithm or whatever they use, like I, I know that I was. I spent the first month or so sitting in the learning team having no idea what was like, what was going on. Like I didn't understand the Excel formulas that they were using. I didn't and I didn't say anything. I just sat there and I just like let them like run through it. And then I would go home to my apartment at night after the learning team and I would sit by myself and I would try to like relearn everything. And that was really, really tough. And I decided like a month in, and this was me like leaning into the vulnerability part, but I want to connect this back to the learning because it was directly like affecting my learning and my experience here. I had, I, I decided that I was going to say to them, like the next day, like the next learning team before we got it, we got started, like if we could just take five minutes because I wanted to just share with them. And I said to them, like, I really need us to slow down. I, I know that we can't spend five hours on every case, but I need us to talk about what the acronyms mean. I need us to like talk a little bit about like what those formulas are and like why we're linking them and like what that means. And it changed our learning team for the better, me, me doing that. They were super receptive to it. That was a risk that I took. I didn't know them that well then. Like I didn't know how they would react, but I felt like it was really important for me to say. But I immediately noticed a shift. And in the end, we've had conversations about it where they think that holistically, it just made us better and stronger as a team because we have that as a norm. 
it was a really important part of my learning experience. And I just want to connect that if I didn't do that, I would have struggled much more than I did in the classroom. I, I did, but I would have been worse. So I think that's important for people to, to think about also. Yeah, the, the thing I've been thinking about as you've been sharing here is, yes, vulnerability, a risk, as, as you know, particularly in you know environments like professional environments or graduate school, where I think people are oftentimes trying to project a Maybe a certain version of themselves out yes. there. Like, you know, so that, that is one of the things that you sometimes encounter. And obviously, there's been a lot of discussion ar- around this uh, at work, you know, at, at school. Uh, recently, in particular, it feels like the conversations there have really accelerated and, and the power of vulnerability, but also vulnerability as an opportunity for connection um, and, and that creating the potential for people to say, you know what, I feel that too, or I'm so glad that you said that. Um, that's the thing I've been thinking about, actually, as you've been talking here. Yeah, I think, you know, I, it just, um, Brene Brown is a teacher that teaches on this topic that, that I love. She, she's an author and speaker. And, you know, she, she says, like, when you're vulnerable, like, you step into an arena. There's, like, this quote about, like, the man in the arena. And you're like, I mean, you are just saying, like, just punch me, people. Like, just, just do it. Um, and that is tough, but the people who step into the arena, they are the people that I'm interested in building relationship with. They are the people that I'm interested in building community with. The people who are outside of the arena, who never come in, I'm not interested in their opinions because those people, they, they don't get to tell me what, I, what they think I should or what they think I should or shouldn't do because we're not, we're not playing the same game. So I think about that a lot. Like my people or the people that um, I'm concerned with or that I want to build a relationship are the people who do step in um, and think that, that that has been a helpful way for me to think about it. Yeah, that's a, the metaphor that she uses there is different sets of people in the arena and they have sort of different intentions relative to you. I, I, I had a chance to do some of, some of her programming um, earlier uh, I guess like it would have been last year or so. Um, that was, it's great. It makes you think a lot, uh, not only about yourself, but how you show up in the world. Uh, so would would recommend that to anybody. Um, it's a great, great suggestion. So um, it sounds like, you know, that your first year was a time of self-discovery, a lot of reflection. We started this conversation by saying, gosh, this feels like a time when a lot of people are looking back and taking stock on things. That seems like something you were doing pretty continuously through your first year. Yes, I think I, part of it was probably intentional because I, I generally am just, I lean on being a more reflective person, but I think also part of it was um, like necessity. Like I just, I think from the moment that I got here was, was overwhelmed because, and a big part of the reason I was overwhelmed was because I'd never been in a space with access to so much opportunity. Um, and so it like all came, came to me. Um, and also being a non-traditional student, like I just, you know, like I'm, I've mentioned a ton here, like the academics really challenged and pushed me. And one thing that I realized, I think within the first couple of days of being here is how much of my identity was wrapped up in either being a good student or, uh, being a good employee. And I no longer like had a job because I was, I was at school. And so that part was, was gone. And the good student part was also gone in some ways because I just, I literally 
didn't know what was going on. Like I, I didn't, I didn't feel confident in the classroom at all. And so almost immediately I had this huge like identity crisis happening when I got here and, you know, I, but, but I, I chose to lean into that instead of, instead of run away, run away from it. And, um, you know, had conversations about it, reflected a lot like on my own and decided like, okay, I'm aware of this thing now. And, and what am I, what am I going to try to do to do about it? But yes, you are absolutely right. It has been happening here for me uh, since, since day one. Well, I appreciate your point around where our identities come from, you know, and how we define ourselves in the world. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it is externally uh, yes. driven. And I feel like this is a journey. So many people who are looking at business school and kind of on these kinds of paths, like, you know, they, they probably have defined themselves perhaps by their prior academic records and, you know, excelling in, in all these different areas, maybe in their mm -hmm. life at, at work and you know, at school and, Okay, uh, what happens when you find yourself in an environment full of really talented people mm -hmm. uh, who have all defined themselves in perhaps similar ways uh, prior to showing up here? How are you going to think about yourself uh, now? I think that is, I appreciate you're creating some space for this because I think this is one of the big challenges for Darden students in that first year. Mm -hmm. It's like they were perhaps one of the most talented, one of the smartest people where they came from and whatever environment they were before mm -hmm. they got here. And then you're here and you have 335 classmates, you have 65 section mates, you have five, six learning team members, you have everybody else in the school, all smart, all talented. Mm -hmm. And you know, how, how do you navigate that world? Who are you now in this new environment? Like literally, who are you, right? And I think, and I, I kind of alluded to this before, like the business school application process is so tough, right? It's so tough. It's so long for a lot of people. Um, and and then you, you get it and it's incredible. And you're like on the top, you're on the top of the world and like amongst your peers at your job or like for me, like no one in my family has like literally like even knows like what an MBA is like really, right? So I'm like, I am like, this is awesome. Like I am just like, and, and, and it's not that I'm not, it's not that I'm not awesome. That's not true. But to your point, you get here and you're like, what? Like, <laughs> like, okay. Like, you know, the, the 349 other people here, um, are incredible. And, 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 the, and I'm still lucky to be, to be in a space with them, but yeah, who am I? And, and, you know, I think, we people always say they come to business school to grow. And I think that that is true, right? Like it's a big part of why you come to business school. But I think the thing that needs to follow up that sentence is like growth is painful. Like growth is, is hard and growth takes like a lot of self-reflection. And I think that another thing that people should think about when making the decision to come to business school is, are you ready to do that? Like, do you like really want to do that? Because like you said, Brett, like whether you want to or not, like it's going to happen like the moment you get here just for like being in the environment. And so I think that is an important question to reflect on. Like, am I like, yeah. Oh yeah. I wrote in my essay, like I want to come here for growth, but like what, growth, growth is not, it's not like you get, you get the flowers, but like it is, it is a process. It is a process. And, and, and are you willing to stick around for that process? 
Well, I want to talk a little bit about Humans of Darda. Vashti, I feel like we could probably stretch this out to a two or three hour uh, conversation, but I, I, don't, I don't, our listeners, I, you know, I, I know that they were finding, you know, all of this interesting. And I think we're talking about a lot of very real things for business school students, for Darden students. But I want to talk about Humans of Darden because I doubt, you know, people will be surprised to hear based upon this conversation that you gravitated towards this organization. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about what Humans of Darden is. Yes. So the mission of Humans of Darden is to foster meaningful connections among all Darden students by providing opportunities for folks to genuinely get to know each other through small group interactions. So the events that we host usually have around six to 10 people, and we strategically group students together from different backgrounds. And, you know, I think business school culture and, and, Absolutely at Darden, and I think there are a lot of posts to this, there are a lot of big, large events that happen, whether it's networking or large social events. And those are awesome, and there are a lot of good things that come from those. Um, but when when you take a step back and you think about like what you want to walk out of business school with, I think a thing that people say a lot is, I want to walk out with some deep relationships. And a lot of times in those big spaces, there are not, there is not room for those deep connections to be formed. So, so that's one thing. The other thing is when you get here, like we've mentioned, it's just super overwhelming and it's designed to be that way. Like that is just the truth. And I think, you know, what I've heard from a lot of people in the community is that get here and you see everybody. And I think another important thing to note here, Brett, is that we have and are continuing to live through a pandemic where people were isolated. And then my class has been very lucky to, to be able to be in person. And I'm super grateful for that. But like, it was difficult to go from, for the most part, being alone or being in these very small groups to being around 650 people, I'm sorry, 350 people in your class and, and trying to figure out, well, like, how do I show up in these large spaces anymore? So what I've heard from a lot of people is like, when we got here, Humans of Darden felt like a really safe space for them to land um, because that is what they needed, like at that time. And sometimes you look around and it seems like everybody's already in a group. Everybody's in a group already. Um, you know, will I ever be invited to a dinner? Like, am I going to make friends here? I think everyone or almost everyone that walks into a business school has those thoughts. And humans of Darden exist to say, yes, someone will invite you to a dinner. We will. We will invite you to a dinner. And so it doesn't matter if, if anyone else here does because, because we will. And I think that that's so powerful and, and so important. Um, and I'm honored really to, to be able to lead the, the group next year. Well, what's what's your goal for the organization in, in the coming year? I mean, I, like I mentioned, we had a chance to talk with Amanda Wiggins. Uh, gosh, it feels a year over a year ago about the, the work that was being done and students sharing their stories, which is powerful to hear about that in a business school environment where it can as previously mentioned, can be harder for people to, to be vulnerable and, and open up in that way. And so creating space, that is an opportunity for community. It's an opportunity for connection. What is on your mind as you look forward to the upcoming year with Humans of Darden? Yeah. So a couple things, you know, I think we have 
we have some core programming that I think works really, really well. So the, the core programming that we do is we organize dinner clubs where people host dinners in their homes. And again, all of these are like six to 10 people. So super small scare. So, so our core programming is our dinner clubs, board games, um, coffee, like chats and dates that we set up some special events. So like an example of a special event is like um, we, we had, we, we had this um, a couple weeks ago is uh, some puppy therapy. So we coordinated like some people that have dogs. There are a lot of dogs here and people who don't have dogs, but like just wanted to play with some dogs for 30 minutes. And we just like met on the lawn at Darden and, um, and did that. Right. And so that's an example of a special event. And then we have um, our Instagram where we share stories um, of people uh, in our community. And, and, you know, the Instagram is super important. It follows the humans of New York blog kind of, of, of following. Um, it, it, it's, it's not people that are, that are the loudest. It's not the people that you're going to see like on all of the stages here at Darden or that always get tapped for opportunities. Cause that is something that, that can happen sometimes. It's the people that are like a little quiet, like they're like a little bit in the corner. Like those are the people that were interested in spotlighting on the humans of Darden Instagram. And so my, you know, first goal is to keep all of these pro- these programs moving because I think that they're super important. Second of all, when the first years get here next year, I really want to make sure that they immediately know what Humans of Jordan is, what we're here to do. I mentioned like being a soft space to land. I think like when you get here, like at least I really wanted that and the club did provide that for me. And so I also want to provide that. So um I think that there, I think people generally on campus like know who we are and know what we do, but I think that we could have a louder, a louder presence there. So for example, like I'm hoping um, this upcoming orientation week that the incoming class will have, I'm hoping to, to be at that orientation and to have a couple minutes to speak there to the first year of class about what Humans of Darden is so that like in their, in the like first set of programming that they get, um, they're, they're aware of it. I'm also really interested in more like club collaboration. So for example, we actually already like did um, a full one with our um, Middle Eastern um, student organization. Um, last week, we actually coordinated with them to do a series of iftar dinners for Ramadan. So the Muslim community has been has been observing Ramadan and fasting and iftar is the name of the dinner when you break your fast. And so we had five or six of our Muslim classmates um, host iftar dinners at their homes um, through partnering with that club. So, you know, humans of Jordan, like our thing is like the small group dinners. And obviously iftar is important to that community. And, but it was a learning opportunity because they had the dinner. It was a small group thing. So we were doing the humans of Jordan thing, but also the folks that were hosting talked a little bit about what Ramadan is and why it's important. Um, and there were people that went to that dinner that had no idea. And, and, and we had a wait list. It was, it almost, it kind of like flew off of the shelf. Um, and, and that, and I'm really interested in that. So it was a great run. We, we, we did it, like I said, last week, but next year, I want that to happen continuously um, as we, as we move forward. Well, Vashti, a lot to look forward to in the second year. I got a few questions for you as we wrap up. So the first question is, you know, looking back on your first year, do you have a favorite memory or something that jumps out as like, this was a highlight for me in my first year? Yeah. Um, so I'll share two. So one was like a big public moment um, where, uh, well, okay. So 
we had a talent show. We, this is a, like an annual thing that that we do here. Um, and our, I was part of, I love dancing. Um, that's a, a pastime of mine. And um, I was in section D, uh, as, as folks may know, you get, you get broken up into different sections. And our section, the talent show was part of something that we do here called Darting Cup, which is like a series of competitions. And our section would just, like, we just lost most of all of the competitions, but we won the talent show. And it was like such a beautiful moment. We worked so hard to put it together. A good friend of mine, like, led, led the, the charge on it. And um, I'll never forget, like, when they announced that we won, like, we all, like, got up on the stage and we have like a cheer that we do for our section. And so we did that and everyone was just so, it was just like so beautiful. And we have a photo of that, of, of us like doing that, like in the middle that we have printed out um, and it's just like so special. So so that's that's like a public moment. And, you know, privately, I really feel like as I look back on this year, that there are a few people here, like I can count them on one hand that I really, really connect with. Um, a thing that people say here, like I think a thing that people say about business school is like you meet your best friends. And my first couple of months here, I was like, I, I don't know if I have any friends here, much less like a best friend. But um, there have been some private moments and small conversations and things that nobody else was a part of except me and one other person. Um, and and those have been some of my best and favorite memories here. What are you going to be doing this summer? What are you looking forward to? Yeah. Um, so this summer, I am going to be working at Cisco, um, based out of San Jose, California, but I will be remote and I will be spending most of my time in Charlottesville, actually. So I haven't had the opportunity to explore Charlottesville um, that much during my during my first year here because of all the things that we just talked about and how busy it's been. So I'm really looking forward to actually being able to spend some time over the summer um, enjoying the community a bit more. Um, and specifically at Cisco, um, they have a human capital rotational program um, that they um, that they run that is just from everything that I can tell is like absolutely incredible. It's totally aligned with my goals. I'm the first person from Darden to do this program. Um, so I'm super excited to, to do it and to bring back my learnings here um, and to work alongside seven, seven other folks from, from different business schools. Um, this week, I'll find out my placement of which team I work on. So that's super exciting. Um, but that's what I'll be doing. So directly aligned with the work that I wanted to transition in. And the technology space is exciting to me. So I'm really excited to be at Cisco. Well, that's great, Vashti. Congratulations on that role. And uh, we hope you have a great summer. It's gosh. Can it already be May? Can we already be talking about summer internships <laughs> starting soon? Gosh, I know. Um, where does the time go? Well, we asked the same last question of, of all of our guests here on the podcast. And I know it's always an interesting question to ask, particularly since people have already probably spent the first 35, 40 minutes of the podcast giving advice and tips and all this kind of stuff. But if there's one piece of information, something, a tip, a word of advice that you would want all prospective student listeners yeah. Listening to this interview, uh, to think about and consider as, as they navigate their MBA journey, what would what would you encourage them to consider? Yes. So here's what I, here's what I'd say. I would really encourage you to take a step back and to think about where your knowledge gaps are, and also like where any like personal development gaps are that you want to develop. And I would center your MBA journey around that. What I mean by that is 
you didn't you didn't apply to an MBA to stay the same. You, didn't, you applied because you wanted some type of change in your life. I think that something that can happen, and this is like a personal leadership struggle of mine, is I've always been involved in leadership things. Like I've always like since high school and college, like I've been involved in them, and I've learned a ton. And so my like deep the the the, the places that I have the deep knowledge, the deepest knowledge gaps are really like not around leadership. And I'm not saying that I don't have anything to learn there. I absolutely like have stuff to learn. But I really came here to, you know, learn about investments and to improve my like Excel skills. And so it's important for me to still show up in this community as a leader and still continue building my leadership skills because you never like stop needing to build those. But I don't want to over-invest on that because I don't want to leave here and to just have more of the same skills that I already had. I want to grow. I want to change. I want to fill the knowledge gaps and the, and the personal development gaps that I have. And you have to be super intentional to do that. Because if you don't, if you don't do this type of planning, it will be, and I, I see it happen. I look around at my classmates and I see it happen. I see that you lean into the thing that you came here feeling comfortable with. And I'm not saying don't do that thing at all. But really ask yourself, like, why you came here and we, and push yourself to lean into that thing. So I'm going to take finance and accounting. I'm, I'm sorry, finance and investment classes next year. I, do, am I thrilled about it? No. But I came here to learn that. And so I'm going to push myself to do that. And I'm going to show up as a leader in the dark community because that's part of who I am. But I'm going to have balance between those two things. And so that would be my advice. Like, really force yourself to think about that and just don't lean into what you're already good at because that's not what you came here for. Well, Vashti, that is a, that's a great note to end on. I think from the admissions committee perspective, we really do encourage prospective students to do that self-reflection, not even not just around why you want to pursue an MBA and why you're interested in Darden, but as you progress along this journey, to take that time in the summer to really take stock of what's important to you, your priorities. What, what are your goals with this experience academically, professionally, and recognizing to your point that there is so much opportunity uh, when you get here in a lot of different directions, you can feel pulled in many different ways. So the more you've kind of checked in with yourself and you know what your priorities are, your goals, and you can focus on as students oftentimes share here on the podcast, running your race, Yes. And accepting that other people's races are, well, other people's races. That can be ultimately really helpful to you, particularly in that first year, in those first few months of school when there's just so much happening. I, I know that it sounds like textbook advice because people really do often say it. And sometimes people hear the word reflection and they're like, no, absolutely not. But as we've also said here, the time goes fast. And if you show up here and start trying to do that reflection, you're going to be lost. And so I just really just if, if, if anyone listening to this takes one thing away, if you would just really sit down and ask yourself what your gaps are and why you came here and center those things in your decision making, it will take you a far way because it, it, it happens quickly. It all happens quickly. And you'll say yes to things you probably shouldn't if you don't do this planning. Well, Vashti, thank you again for taking time out of your day. Uh, appreciate your coming on the podcast for being so candid with our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Good luck this summer at Cisco, and we look forward to hearing about Humans of Darden in the coming academic year. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. Um, it was an honor, and I'm, I'm excited uh, to get this out. Thank you. And that was my interview with Vashti Barron, a student in our full-time MBA class of 2023. 
As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. You can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.